listening to the Derek Asante podcast, also known as DAPS, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. I just aim to keep the discussion above the average. My guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today I'll be spending some time with a friend of mine, someone who I believe commands the attention when she walks into a room with her presence. A boss-like vibe. She's also very genuine when you get to know her. Another sister of mine who is an inspiration. She's also an author, Bossed Up, 100 Truths of Becoming Your Own Boss, God's Way. If you really want to get to know who she is on the business world, you just got to type in Google, to be honest with you. And so I'm not going to do that um, today, but today I wanted to get to know the individual. And if you want to know the businesswoman, I'd recommend you definitely go online and look her up. You know, you'll get a, a plethora of uh, content and interviews and footage on what she does. So without further ado, please help me welcome my friend, Tamar Huggins. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Derek. I'm so excited to be here. You know, it's funny. I, I thought about this for a while and I was thinking to myself, hmm, how do I get her on here and we actually get to talk? Because we've had some really rich conversations <laughs> in the past, right? And so yes. I want to kind of share some of that today. Um, just to let you let your guard down a bit and just kind of not talk about business and talk about who you are. Because I don't think a lot of people know who you are, except for those who are, um, you know, close in your circles. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, first off, I want to open with a quote. And once I share this quote, I want to get your opinion on it. And then I'll tell you who the quote is by if you don't pick it up right away. Okay. All right. It goes, the most powerful way for Sorry, let me let me start that over. The most powerful way to empower someone is to show them their highest value. Mm. Is that from Sally Hogshead? No. Okay. That's from you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was dropping gems and not even know I'm dropping gems. Oh my right? god. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I had to dig deep for that one. I had to really make sure I read some of the articles and, and got some of the quotables that you have in there. And I thought that one was uh -huh. really powerful. And yeah. so I want to bring that light. Now, what does that mean to you when you say that? So I'll actually go back to Sally Hogshead. So she's an author one of my favorite authors and she's from the ad industry like I am. And um, she made this transition into creating the space where we could learn more about ourselves and create this assessment where we could learn how we bring value to the world versus how we look at the world. It, it shows us how the world looks at us. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I learned very early on is that the best thing that we can do as leaders is to show other people their highest value or in our relationships to help them elevate to like a higher consciousness, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I feel like that is the one thing at the core that we as leaders should always be doing is trying to be better versions of ourselves, not comparing ourselves to others or our journey to other people, but always trying to be a better version of who we are. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And 
if you don't mind, what's if you can share a scenario with me where you've been in that position, I'm sure you've seen it numerous times, whether it's, you know, one of your students that you work with or, or um, staff members, for example, that you've been able to kind of recognize and identify their value and present that to them and how that made them respond to to what they were trying to accomplish. Sure. So I'm a very big believer in personality tests. And I always bring that into my businesses because I feel like it's important for me and also a personal interest of mine just to know who I'm working with and to always make sure that I'm giving people the right level of responsibility or the right tasks based on their personal interests and what their overarching career goals are. And so whenever I administer those types of assessments and I review it, for example, I had one educator who's, who really had a strong passion and innovation archetype. Mm-hmm. And it showed me in his report what he was really good at and what he wouldn't be so great at. So if I gave him certain things that didn't um, evoke that passion and innovation side, I'd, I'd probably lose him right? Lose that interest. He may not have felt as connected to the company. And so I made sure that, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I not only have him acting as an educator, but then I include him in maybe some of the ideas that I'd have, some of the more like groundbreaking solutions that I'm trying to come up with to solving some of the bigger systemic issues that existed or that still exist, right? right? Because that's where he was getting his, his, um, that's where he was getting fed. Right. right? right. And so that's, that's one way, but I do that with everyone. Um, and I also make sure that in my company, we have a very strong entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and the majority of my directors or team members are also entrepreneurs. And so normally like in a corporate setting, that's usually frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Like you just have the one job and that's it. Companies don't like to know that you're sharing your time doing other things. Right. But I encourage it. And the reason why I encourage it is because whatever they're doing out there and that knowledge that they're gaining, they bring that to my company or they bring that into their performance. Right. 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 And I never, ever want to clip anyone's wings and tell them, hey, you can't be an entrepreneur because I'm an entrepreneur. Right. Right. So right. I always encourage that in my company. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Now, I really appreciated that, that quote because as soon as I came across it, I was like, you know what? I like this. Mm-hmm. I liked it because you're putting the person first. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. We're always here to serve others. And the moment that we realize that we're not on this earth for ourselves, but we're here for others, it just makes everything so much easier. I mean, and the fact of the matter is no one who's successful got there on their own, right? Like True. Yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta pick people up. Um, you gotta have a team and you win with the team. And if you're the one that propels, you have to remember to always turn and reach back and, and bring some of your, your fellow members with you. Right. And, right. and that's the way you kind of sustain yourself because once you get up there and if you're lonely and you need help, who are you going to reach to? Right. You know, and so 
And I think and that's what I really appreciated about that. But mm-hmm. um, I want to switch gears and get us off business. Um, and what I want to find out from you is in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like what's a relationship deal breaker for you? So a relationship deal breaker for me would be a lack of intimacy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So intimacy to me is extremely important because without it, a lot of key elements would be missing, like friendship, um, companionship. Um, I think that one of the things that I've learned or I'm learning in my journey is how to balance and how to you know, not be judgmental and just to be open to, you know, the person that I'm with. Right. And you cannot do that or let your guard down when that intimacy level is not there. But There's no security to, you know what I mean? Like you don't feel safe to be who you are without judgment if that intimacy level isn't isn't there. Got it. Now, but how do you identify um, intimacy? Because there's different levels, I'm assuming, right? Like, mm-hmm. so is it, all levels or is it a specific level that you're thinking about or you're speaking about when you say if it's non-existent? Yeah, no, all levels. Okay. I mean, I mean, there's, you know, there's like sexual intimacy. There is, as I mentioned, friendship. Like that's a really big thing for me Mm -hmm. is if that level of friendship um, where you have that strong intimacy, that really personal relationship that's close, that means a lot to you, where you can be yourself without, you know, a fear of being judged or a fear of being hurt if you're vulnerable with that person. Like, if that's not there, I feel like it makes everything else more challenging, right? right? I feel like sometimes relationships can be more challenging than they have to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not always that, okay, the person doesn't want to work hard at a relationship. I don't think relationships are supposed to be overly difficult, but it can feel that way when that intimacy is not there. Right, right. So, because you mentioned friendship and that's key for you. So I'm I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, how do you, what kind of value or expectations do you put on a friend? Right. Like when in order for you to call someone a friend, what would they have to display for you to even give them that title? They would have to be true to themselves, first of all. Mm. They would have to know and be genuine to themselves and to be unapologetic about who they are, first of all. Because if they're not, there's no way that they and I could even have a conversation. So that's the first thing. I feel also that obviously trust needs to be a part of that. Um, Sharing common interests is obviously a part of that. Um, But for me, I really feel like having that, that chemistry where, where there's um, a give and take in the sense of when we're together as friends, I'm building you up and you're building me up. Like I become my best self when I'm around you and you are your best self when you're around me. And then that goes back to the quote, right. That I, that I said that I didn't remember. I said, (laughs) right. About values, values and being 
making sure that you're always bringing out the best in other people right and then attracting that same energy that's awesome yeah wow so now for folks listening um we're in a conversation with tamar huggins and uh it's going to be a really intense one. Um, I'm enjoying it so far. If you're just tuning in, we're just talking about, um, you know, the value that she holds in, in people that she considers friends. Um, and that's important because the first thing she mentioned, if you missed it, was really that individual needs to value themselves and be their, you know, 1000% self, be authentic to themselves first before they can try and become a friend to anybody else, right? Because if you're not honest with yourself, then how can you be honest with me in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? So I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I know I, I pushed you into this conversation and now I want to take a step back because I want to get to know what is your cultural background? So I'm first generation Canadian. My father is from St. Kitts. Okay. And my mother is from Jamaica. Um, and my ancestors are actually from Nigeria. I found that out a few years ago. I did a DNA test with my mom. Nice. And and found that we're actually from the Yoruba and Fulani tribe in Nigeria. Oh wow. So that was that was really important for me to uncover that. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. And what's your relationship like with your parents? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my parents are okay. They're okay. I think, um, you know, there are things that I I learned from them that I I carry into my adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that there was more, I guess, emotional closeness. Got it. But when I look into it, I, I realize that um, people don't always give what they didn't get. I think it, sometimes it requires intention to say, okay, well, you know what? My parents didn't give me X, Y, and Z, so I'm going to make sure that I give that to my children. And sometimes people fall into the trap of doing exactly what their parents did, right? Right. So, um, and as a result of that, I actually have a really close relationship with my aunt who lived with me from the time I was about one and a half until I went to high school. So about 15. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she basically came here to, to raise me. Wow. And, and then I have my sister, Wendy, who's 13 years older than me, who also played a very strong motherly role in my life so I didn't really feel like I was missing right. love mm-hmm. I, I wish that, that I had um, a stronger emotional connection with my parents right. but I feel like God knew that I wasn't going to really get that so he placed other people in my life to make sure that I got that because if I didn't I don't think I would be the person that I am today and how's your relationship with your older sister it's phenomenal we're best friends wow yeah and growing up she was always there like i said like she was basically like my mother Mm -hmm. people used to people in the neighborhood used to think that 
I was her child and that my mom was trying to cover it up and say that I was her child. <laughs> right? Like that's how close we were, you know? All of the photos that I have of myself, mm-hmm. she took all of them. Wow. And basically documented my entire childhood. Wow, that's incredible. And because there's such a huge age gap between us, she bestowed a lot of wisdom onto me from a very young age. Mm-hmm which is why I always presented myself as much more mature than I, my age was. Right. It was because I was surrounded by adults. I'm the youngest of seven kids. Oh, wow. Yes. And I didn't live with all of them. Mm -hmm. Right. My sister, Wendy is the only sibling that, um, that I remember living with. My brother had left the house when he was, you know, 21. I think I was, like I said, I was probably about one and a half, two at the time. You, so, but do you have a relationship with the other six besides your sister? And um, um, it's not on the same level. Okay. No. But I mean, are you in contact with them? Are you able to reach out to them today if you wanted to just say hello? I could. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, the reason why I ask that is because sometimes people don't have that opportunity, right? Like they may not mm-hmm. even know that they have siblings who exist. And so I just wanted to find out if you had that opportunity and, you know, at least you have that option. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I actually didn't know that I had additional siblings until I was about 12 years old. Oh, wow. So until that point, um, I only knew of my sister, Wendy, who I, she's the only sibling that I have that I share both parents with. Mm-hmm. Then I have another sister, Cheryl, which is my mom's daughter. And um, my father had my brother, Tony, and my sister, Patricia. That was all that I knew. So how did that come to be for you? Like, how did you discover that you had all these other siblings? Oh, my aunt told me. My my, my dad's sister one time just kind of said it in passing, like, oh, you know, you have siblings in England. Oh, okay. And I was like, okay, <laughs> who, like, who, what? and then the next question was, you know, why didn't anyone tell me this? Right. And I was upset because I thought, well, why, like, why wouldn't I know? Right. What was the reason for that information not being shared? And then once I found out who she was, so there were, there were two, like two additional ones. So once I found one of them, I started writing you know, her letters. Mm-hmm. So she, when she had written me back, I remember her saying things like how, when she got my letter, how she was crying wow. because like we had never had a connection before. I mean, she has kids that are older than me. Wow. Like I have nephews that are either my age or, um, maybe two, like three, four years older. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Man, so you mentioned growing up. What did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to be a singer. Really? Yes. Who, who inspired that? Brandy. <laughs> oh, I figured that. I figured that. <laughs> why, why did you figure Brandy? Why no, did you, figure- you know why? Because I'm thinking about the timeline. Right? Yes, okay. Like okay. that era, who was there? Yes. It was either her or Monica or Aaliyah, right? Like- yes, it was all of them. <laughs> I loved all of them. Oh my goodness. I whew, I would say that the first time I ever remember hearing music 
I was very young, I remember hearing Whitney Houston. Mm. So when my sister would get up early in the morning to get ready to go to high school, her alarm would play whatever the radio was, right. whatever station she was listening to. And Whitney Houston's um, I'm Your Baby Tonight or I Want to Dance with Somebody was always in rotation for uh, some reason, even though that song came out in the 80s. Right, right. So that was the first song that I ever remember hearing. So I have like a connection to that. Nice. And um, I love music. And I realize now that I have like a really old soul. Mm-hmm. And people used to tell me this when I was younger, but I didn't really understand yeah. what they meant. And so for me, music is very therapeutic and I love a lot of old music, even though I was never exposed to it. Like my parents never listened to like American soul music or R&B music. They listened to, you know, their reggae or their calypso or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I just stumbled upon these things and just fell in love with it and had such a deep connection to it. And I loved Brandy. I idolized her. I loved watching Moesha. I I bought every magazine that she was in. (laughs) I was a part of the fan club. I got braids in 94. The first time I ever got braids for my school picture was because of her. Like, everything was just Brandy, Brandy, Brandy. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. I'm not even going to front. Like, she was definitely somebody that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Her, Monica, all of them. It was just... Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like that... You know, I'm not going to take anything away from the 80s, but growing up listening to those R&B joints, that's that mm-hmm. was music to me. Like, I don't get that anymore. So if, right. you, if you catch me listening to music, it's going to be from 93 or 92 up yes. until 2007. Like, that's yes. that's it. I'm stuck in that era. I can't I can't mm-hmm. leave it. Anything after that, it's kind of not doing it for me. So. Do you remember listening to BLK when we didn't have a black station? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We never had a black station until, like, what, 98? Yep, yep, yep. And so for us, it was, you remember turning the dial just so you can get the perfect perfect reception? Yep. Oh get, my goodness! You have to get your cassettes ready and dub it. Yeah, yeah, that was me. That was me. Even with the the VHS and the recording yep. of music videos. That's it. That's it. That is what I. That that was my hobby. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, man. That, those were the days, boy. Yeah. Mm-mm. Now, since we're on the topic of uh, family, I want to ask you: uh, Do you have friends that you would consider family? Oh yeah. My best friend, Nicholas, we've been friends since we were 16 years old. Wow. And I met him at Leger, the high school that I went to. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had like an instant connection. That was it. Yeah. And that, and that was literally it. And when I think about the trajectory of my career, I feel like a lot of seeds were planted at very early ages. Very, very early. Yeah. But with him, he always exposed me to things first. Mm. Like, he was the one who taught me about coding. Back in the day, do you remember Black Planet? Yeah. Yes. So we had our Black Planet pages. And what Nicholas would do, he taught himself how to use Photoshop. Mm -hmm. And so every month, we would choose an artist And he would design like the theme page for our Black Planet pages. Oh, wow. Right? 
he would design it from scratch. And then we found this website called igotcodes.com. Mm. And it was this woman in the States, like she just found codes for everything. So how to change your cursor, colors, how to add music to your page, everything. So while everybody had their basic pages, we had like decked out right, right, pages. Right. And that, like, that was our hobby in high school. Like when everyone was in the cafeteria playing dominoes and cards and cackling or whatever yeah. we were in the library nice. coding nice you know and the one thing i would say that i love about him is that he's the one part like if i had to choose like one person that i could be my my whole authentic self with and share like those hidden things that i wouldn't share with other people mm-hmm. without fear of judgment right it's him Wow. Yeah, it's him. That's incredible. I mean, it's it's healthy to have somebody like that because mm-hmm. I think I think especially in this society today, a lot of people need that, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, because we don't have too many shoulders like that that we can lean on and, and things right. like that. So if you if you got somebody like that out there, if you're listening, hold on to them and cherish and appreciate them for who they are and what they bring to your life. Because, or if you're that person for somebody else, also recognize that about yourself. And I think you should, you know. Um, cherish that because that's mm-hmm. a special, you know, ability to have to be able to make others feel like themselves around you because you're just yeah. that person. So um, it goes both ways, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. Shout yeah. out, shout out to Nicholas. <laughs> yeah, Nico. <laughs> right now, has has your family ever pressured you um, to act a certain way that you didn't feel like was supposed to be the way you were supposed to act or take a path that you weren't? You didn't feel, you know, they pressured you to take a path that you didn't feel was right for you? Oh, yeah. Um, my, I always got pressure from my parents and just other people in general mm-hmm. to be like my older sister. How was she? Okay, so Wendy's like the goody two shoes, <laughs> right? <laughs> she is the... The straight A student. Okay. Doesn't get in trouble, doesn't talk back. Went to Waterloo, has two degrees. So, wait, hold on. So, I take it you're the opposite when you talk about the talk back and. Yes. <laughs> in that area, yes. I, listen, when it comes to my education, I don't play. Right. right? But when it comes to, you know, speaking up for yourself like i'm the little sister that'll fight people for her right, you know what i mean right, that's, right. that's me <laughs> she's more the non-confrontational kind mm, type right and i'm the opposite right so sorry so, i interrupted you so she went to waterloo um you got yes. two degrees and yes and um you know she you know took the right path she didn't get in trouble um she was the favorite because of that. Mm. And she got a job in her field. She was self-sufficient, is self-sufficient. She's intelligent. She's sociable. She's nice. People like her. She's pretty. She was in Miss Black Ontario. Okay. Um, I remember that as a kid and I think she was like third, she came in like third. I feel like she could have won, not because she's my sister, but 
just what she was bringing to the table, I felt like she should have won that. Right. But I digress. <laughs> so she, yeah, so she, you know, track star, basketball captain, all of that. Okay. All-star, all-around all-star, nice. right? And so there was this pressure to follow in her footsteps. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for the most part, I did do that. Right. Um. However, when it came to being my authentic self, mm-hmm. when it came to me speaking up for myself, it was always looked at as me being rude right. or I'm talking back when I was able to point out to an adult, hey, you're disrespecting me. Mm-hmm. And me saying that you're disrespecting me, they thought I was being disrespectful. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's an old mentality. Um, yes. Right. It's an old cultural thing that I think um, many of our parents and older, you know, members in the family always ascribe to. It's mm-hmm. they they, they want to be able to give you the direction, and you should say yes and just move on. Sometimes don't don't even say yes. It's it's assumed that it's a yes. You're going to follow that direction, right? So, right. Right. Yeah. So anything. And you, mind you. Go ahead. Yeah. It was it was a it was a good. Password, like they weren't telling me to do anything wrong. Right. Right. It's just that when I got to a point where there were certain things that I wanted to do for myself, for example, when I was in college, I wanted to live on my own. Like I wanted to have my own space. I always had this this dream of just being grown, you know, like mm-hmm. just doing my own thing and having a car and having my own place. And it wasn't until I was 19, I got to college and I was actually exposed to that. Mm. So I was exposed to, first of all, being the youngest in the class was new for me because I was always the oldest. My birthday's in January Mm. and I was always mature for my age. And then to then be exposed to people who were, you know, in their 20s or, you know, mid 20s and who are living on their own or living with their boyfriend or their girlfriend and they're working and they're paying their own tuition. They didn't have their parents paying their tuition. It was like, wow, like that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to that, Right. you know, or like dating people who had like their own place and were taking care of themselves. Like I had never until that point ever dated anyone that was self-sufficient. Right. That wasn't depending on mom and dad to do everything for them. Right. Mind you, I did work and I did, you know, take care of myself, but I had it easier than a lot of other people did. And I recognized that when I was in school. Right. Right. Wow. And, and so... The world is not what it used to be, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all know that. We're all going through it. Um, but what makes you feel most at peace? Not just in a time like this, but in the world in general. Like, in general, like, what what brings you that calmness, that peace, so that you can actually have clear thoughts? Mm-hmm. Emotional security and stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whatever activities or experiences bring that sense of self-sufficiency or independence, um, you know, exercising my self-sufficiency and engaging in 
self-accomplishments, acquiring new creative skills and having that sense of achievement, Mm -hmm. that is what makes me feel safe and secure and just at peace. In other words, you're a busybody. You need to be doing something. Yeah, I need I need to be I need to be constructive. Right. Right. Right? Like I I don't like you know, yeah, like engaging in leisurely activities when I have things to do. And if there is a time where I can be at my, you know, be to myself, mm-hmm. I'm learning or I'm doing something that's constructive or that's building me up in some sort of way. Now, do you think being that type of person can be challenging for a partner who may want the opposite of that? Yes, absolutely. Because I mean, I I can only imagine like you want your space to be able to think and do the things that, you know, engage you and stimulate you. And then Mm -hmm. you might have a partner who's needy, right? Um, That might just want to be under you. Mind you, that's not a bad thing, but the timing of it might be bad. Mm -hmm. Right. So how would you like handle a situation like that? I would say... You know, like kind of generally speaking, energy attracts like energy, or at least it should. I can't function in any type of relationship or partnership where the, like those levels of maybe ambition um, or perseverance or anything where if, if it's not fair, it's, it's not going to work. And then I'm not saying that you have to be on 10 all the time, even though it may appear like I'm that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I don't, that's not, I don't think that's something that I would be able to um, compromise with. Okay. Yeah. I don't, because then it becomes an issue and then it it comes back to balance, right? I don't think it would necessarily work in a relationship where you have people that are on 10, like both people are like that. And it's constantly going, going, going. No, Mm. there needs to be a balance, but not so much so that then it becomes imbalanced. Right. Right? Right. Like someone has to lead and somebody has to follow, but that person who's doing the leading can't lead all the time. Right. Because there's going to be a time where it's going to feel burdensome. Mm -hmm. And when it does, that person should feel the confidence to know that, okay, my partner can shoulder some of this burden with me. Right. If I needed them to, like, they're not just like there, Mm -hmm. you know, they can actually contribute to what we're growing together as like a family unit. Right. Or in a partnership. Now, how effective of a communicator do you think you are within a personal relationship? Like, do you think you're you're extremely good at it or you have work to do as well? And and where do you stand in that spectrum? I feel like my communication style is very factual and direct. Now, wait, wait, wait. That could be that could be subjective, though, because what's a fact to you may not be a fact to me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay. 
but finish your, um, finish your point. Yeah, I feel that for me, I'm an effective communicator. I feel that just even in my in my job, like it's just I feel like that's one of the skills that I've always been good at communication, being able to speak, um, share my thoughts and being able to, you know, write out my thoughts if I couldn't speak them, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little different though, isn't it? I mean, it's a different language we speak when we're in love with somebody or in a relationship with someone than it is when we're in a boardroom, right? Um, yeah, it is. But but guess what though? Mm-hmm. You you can you can still be an effective communicator, I feel like, in, in both stages. It's just the type of communication is, is definitely going to be different. So whereas I might be more um, direct in a business situation, I may not be as direct with a partner, but I'm, I'm still going to be truthful in how I communicate with them and not, you know, I still don't sugar sugarcoat things. Yeah. I feel like people are, I feel like people are used to, hearing people say things that they think they want to hear right? or they're used to people speaking to them indirectly. And then when you meet someone who's, who's direct with you, it, sometimes it throws people off a bit. Yes. I, I completely right? agree with you on that. Um, the reason why I think I, I agree with you in, in the sense that people sugarcoat a lot. And it's because they don't always want to seem like they're hurting the person's feelings, right? Right. And so I, I always wonder, like, would you want someone to tell you a lie to protect your feelings or tell you the truth, knowing it's going to hurt you, but at least it'll be the truth? Tell me the truth. Right. But tell me that, but watch how you say it, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like. Well, the truth does hurt, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you can tell people the truth and some people can just be really, like, rough with it and yeah. just, you know, but I feel like there's definitely a way where you can finesse, you can tell someone the truth yeah. and and deliver it with love. I think that that's oftentimes what's missing is that people don't know how to deliver hard truths with love. And that's a, that's a skill you have to learn. Yes. Well, listen, folks, um, we're listening to Tamar. Uh, we're just in a, you know, a conversation. It's really, we're talking about family. We're talking about love. We're talking about success, um, all that good, good stuff. And she's sharing her story, which I'm loving. There's a lot I, I'm learning so far that I didn't even know about her, which is awesome. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Are you looking for the finishing touch to wash day, a special occasion, or just a play date? Graham Bear has you covered. We offer a wide selection of accessories. You will love our plant-based hair clips and fabric bows, bow ties for daddy and me, and our best-selling turban headbands, which are perfect for your mommy and me looks. We're a Canadian-based handmade shop. Our products are made to order, with love, care, and attention to details. We offer fast, local, and international shipping. Our accessories are made for making memories in. Visit us at grahambear.ca for all your family accessory needs. Follow us on Instagram at grahambear to see our products in action, know about promos, and contests. Be sure to use promo code DAPS10, that's D-A-P-S-10, for 10% off your next purchase. 
would you say is a favorite story about yourself that you probably heard other people say or that you've, you know, an experience that you went through and yeah. Yeah. So my favorite story about myself was when I was about five years old, my mother and I, I think my sister Wendy was there too. We were at the mall and it was Christmas time. And so Santa Claus was there and all the kids were lined up, you know, to sit on Santa Claus's lap and get their photo taken. And as we were walking by, I blurted out, well, I don't know why these people are here anyway. Santa Claus is not even real. (laughs) (laughs) A five-year-old. Oh, my gosh. You just shattered the world. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, all these mothers were like clutching their pearls and gasping and like, who's covering kid is their kids this? ears and their eyes like what did this kid but this is what I'm telling you like going back to the you know the previous question you asked me I have always spoken my mind yeah. I've always said things oftentimes you know at a young age it may not have been tactful but I said it because that's what was true. So when I say factual, let's fact. Yeah. Santa Claus is not real. Right. Who who told me that at that age? I don't know. <laughs> All I know is I just blurted. I was it was a thought that came to my head, and I just said it out loud. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It, it, what what I love about that story is because I'm that parent that's telling my kids that Santa's not real. Right. So, <laughs> so that's why when you said it, I'm like, oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. No, because my daughter, you know, she's she's five and she's always, you know, asking like, uh, who's Santa? I'm like, you're looking at him. Right. Like, right. right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm the one that's I'm the one that's working for you right Listen, now. Nobody I re- else. I refuse to give credit to some figment of their imagination who does yeah, not exist, no. knowing that I yeah. put in the work. Nah. Yeah, man. Nah, nah. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna, you know, participate in that <laughs> holiday, then you need to recognize who I am. Like mm-hmm. I'm the one that makes it happen or it doesn't happen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's myself and your mom. We make it happen. So, yep. you know, so I remember one night she said, oh, we're going to leave cookies and milk. I said, make sure it's not chocolate chip. She's like, why? But he likes that. I said, no, he doesn't. <laughs> make sure it's shortbread. Because <laughs> that's what oh, I'm like. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> you got to have fun with it, man. You got to have fun with oh it. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So you blurted that out right there, eh? Yeah. And I wasn't even saying, like, I remember it, too, you know? <laughs> And I wasn't even saying because I was trying to hurt anyone's feelings or, you know. Well, I'm five years old. You're just being honest. Yeah. I'm just saying it, telling it like it is. That's and it. that's just, that's just the type of person I, I've grown into. Mm-hmm. You know, I still do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. story, though. <laughs> I can only imagine. I wish I was there. I know, right? <laughs> now... Do you think you've actually tapped into your full potential, like in, in all areas of your life? I'm talking relationships, family, spirituality, mentally and emotionally. Have you, do you think you've tapped into your potential in, in those areas or are you still developing? Well, I would say I'm definitely tapping in, mm-hmm. but there's still more work to be done. Awesome. Right. So if I look at it as like, 
different levels or bars or if you want right. to look at different glasses and fill them. Mm-hmm. There are certain areas where, you know, I'm really good, right? Like my spirituality and, you know, my relationships, certain relationships, mm-hmm. my, you know, my business, knowing who I am, my, my um, self-awareness, uh-huh. right? But there are certain elements of who I am that I'm, I'm learning about mm-hmm. and there are pied or tuck away. I'm going to be nosy. I want to be nosy. <laughs> I want to be nosy. Give me one of those parts. Um, so I have this really deep desire to be submissive. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And just to be a lady. Right. And I'll explain and I'll explain what that means, right? Mm-hmm. I'm an alpha female, right? Yeah. I am very ambitious. I have a lot of what people would call male qualities. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have to because of the industry that I'm in, it's male dominated. Right. right? And I feel like growing up, I was a tomboy. So I've always had a little bit of like a little rough edge. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm a boss. Like that's what everybody knows me as. People, I have friends who call me bossy, like boss lady or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's, yes, that's who I am. But then there's just also this part of me that's like, well, I'd like to be led too. Right. I'd like someone to tell me what to do, that right. I can trust them, that they know what they're doing and I can follow their lead. Not to say to give up control. Right, not like complete control. control. Yeah. Right. Not to be controlled because that, that could never happen. But just just to feel like I don't have to have it all together all the time because I I can depend on someone else for a change. Mm. That's what I mean. Like, well, that's what I mean when I say like tapping into that softer side, those softer, more feminine and ladylike qualities and where that submission comes in. And then just to even touch on that, because sometimes, when women hear submissive, they, they think control, they're giving up control. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't look at it like that. I feel that just even from like a, like a spiritual, like a biblical perspective, the the man is supposed to be the head of the household. I don't care what feminists want to say. That's what I believe. Mm -hmm. Right. And so while I feel that still, you know, a woman and a man can both, you know, they can be partners and whatnot, but the man has to be the head in certain areas and, and the provider and the protector. That's their, that's the natural order of things. And for me, mm-hmm. and when that's not there, then the woman has to play into that role. And then when you're playing into that role, then you're not playing that. That other side, the the thought, the 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 nurturer, the Mm -hmm. um, the caregiver. Right, you're wearing two hats, and it's hard. Yeah, Yeah. you're wearing two, and it's it's challenging. Yeah, yeah, 
two hats on one head can be very challenging. I can see that. Very. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's <clears throat> that's really, really dope. And I think it's important. Like I, the reason why I asked that question is because, you know, some people run around with the assumption that they've tapped into everything else because they're woke or whatever the re- reason might be, but you can't be complete, right? And no one is perfect. No one can be complete on this planet. We're all evolving as we go each second, each day. And so at least recognizing that there are areas that you are still seeking to tap into helps with that growth, right? But once you feel like you've attained it all, then you're stagnant and that can be very dangerous. Very. You know, and so I appreciate you, you know, sharing that with us. What are some of your dilemmas or challenges that you've encountered that either made you more aware of something or sharpened sharpened your skills? Hmm. Okay, so when you ask that question, my mind goes directly to, you know, my business, right? Mm-hmm. So being, being a woman and leading in technology industry and being a trailblazer in, in, in that area, mm-hmm. and this was like years ago, it's, it was challenging because you get faced with this who are you right. who, who do you first of all who do you think you are <laughs> who are you who's backing you yeah what's what's your what's your background where are you getting this information from why are you even doing this right right and you get these questions sort of thrown at you with the intention of sort of knocking you off of your stride yeah right and so I had to learn very early on that what I'm doing is what I was called to do. Mm-hmm. So no matter what came my way, and there was a lot of things, but no matter what came my way, I was able to persevere. And I think that's the number one thing that entrepreneurs need to have is perseverance. Mm-hmm. Right? You need to have that because without, pers- you could be the most talented person in the world, but if you can't persevere hardships, no one's ever going to experience that talent or it's not going to be on the level that it could be. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I feel like every entrepreneur goes through things like financial challenges and, you know, you start one business, it may not do so well. So you have to pivot and try something new. I've, I've gone through all of that. Mm-hmm. I've gone through all, I paid my dues. Right. right. I've been I've been an entrepreneur for almost ten years now. Yeah. And I feel like those challenges early on of, you know, not knowing how to ask for what I wanted. Got it. Because I was afraid or I was conditioned to believe that if I asked for what I wanted or what I needed or deserved to have, I wasn't going to get it. Right. I had to ask for a small amount and then work my way up fully. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And then it it took me a really long time to shift away from that mindset. Right. Of okay, I'm not gonna ask because they're not gonna give it to me. Right. Or I'm I feel like black women are often told that we're not supposed to ask for what we want. And I feel that that comes back to even just childhood and and our culture, 
you know, when we're told, okay, I'm taking you to the store, but don't ask for anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you eat what I tell you to eat. Right. You wear what I buy for you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, I feel like it starts there. Mm. And then we're conditioned to then believe that, I'm, okay, I'm going to accept the love that you feel I deserve. Uh, that's a I'm huge gonna, one. Right? Like, I'm not going to demand or set an expectation for more because I deserve more and I give more. I'm just going to accept what you give me because that's what I've been taught and that's what I've been conditioned to do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask an investor for more money because I'm black. They're going to say no. So I'll ask for less or what they, what I feel they would think is acceptable for me. Mm. And I had to, and I would say that this happened recently where I, where I've, broken away from that mindset and it's so exhilarating nice now i can function as my authentic genuine self and not not that i was being inauthentic but now i don't have to hide what i want yeah yeah that's 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 um really it's it's a powerful moment i think that mindset shift and and I want people to recognize that it's not something she just got up and did. I think it's something that she had to figure out within herself. And that's why it's a mindset. It's not a it's not something you just go out and physically do. It's gotta mm-hmm. start within yourself, right? It starts with the mind. And and I've heard people say this all the time, but I don't think the common person actually takes it in, into um, you know, key because everything really manifests in the mind. Right. Absolutely. The way you see yourself, the way you believe you're supposed to be viewed by others and the energy you're going to put out into the world, all that manifests within your mind. Mm-hmm. And then you have to believe that, though. Like if you don't believe it could be sitting in your head, but if you don't actually believe it by taking action and being convinced by, you know, you yourself being convinced by that, it's never going to happen as much as mm-hmm. you you think about it. And so I want people to recognize that that. A lot of the stuff that we are afraid of lives within our heads. Mm-hmm. And there's actually no physical barrier preventing you. Obviously, with, within certain um, um, situations, there are some you know, gatekeepers and whatnot. But initially, everything begins in the mind. And I think I want people to recognize that in your message because that's really where it is. Right. You know, we're thinking what the other person might think. We're not mind readers. How can we, right. you know, put ourselves in that position? And it's always mm-hmm. going to be a deficit if we're thinking that way. So it's, it does start in the mind. And, and I applaud you for, you know, stressing that. Um, is there a mantra that you live by? Yes, actually, there are two. Awesome. Um, the first one I actually made for myself. And it is everything that I do now is a stepping stone to something greater. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Right? And what I've also, the lesson that I have been learning for a number of years is that for me personally, 
it's always about the process. It's not about the end result. I, I'm always focused when you're when you're a, a task oriented, goal oriented person like me. You're always looking for a checklist so you can say, "Okay, I'm done. Right. I reached the end. Now, what's next?" Mm-hmm. And for me, it's not about okay, I'm done. What's next? It's about all of those little small tasks that I had to check off to get to that point. That's where my learning and my growth comes from. It's that process and and not rushing through the process, but actually taking whatever time is needed, mm-hmm. whether it's quick, whether it takes a long time or whatever, it doesn't matter because for me, whatever it is that I'm supposed to get is supposed to come from that process. Nice. And it was someone who told me this, um, one of my friends and mentors, you know, he, he, he said to me, you know, you need to celebrate the small wins. That's what he told me. He said, you don't, you don't do that enough. And as accomplished as I am, as, you know, as, many awards as I have, it's like I never really stopped to enjoy them mm-hmm. because I'm always thinking about, okay, well, what's next? Right. Right. And people will say things to me like, why didn't you say this? Or, you know, I read this and you didn't even tell me you were here. Or, you know, like I, like sometimes my, my, my uh, investors or my partners will, They'll say, "Oh, I read. The, why didn't you tell me?" And I'm just like, "I don't know. <laughs> like, right. I don't. I mean, like, it's just I'm just doing the work. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm just here to do the work, right. really." Um, and I think that's also too something that we deal with as Black women is is that self promotion mm-hmm. and feeling like it is bragging, right? And we tend not to do it. Mm. And I've always been the type of person who says, you know what, I will let my work ethic, I will let my work speak for itself. I don't have to say anything. Right. I don't I don't have to be the loudest person in the I don't even have to say anything when I walk into a room. You'll feel my energy and that's enough for me. Right. Right? So that's one so that's one mantra. And the second one is a little bit more humorous. It's I'm where <laughs> the money resides. <laughs> okay have you seen the meme did you see the meme on instagram please tell me you did which one okay so there's this guy he's a car salesman mm-hmm. right and he was doing an ad for his you know he works at honda so he's doing an ad he comes climbing out of a trunk the yin yang twin salt shakers playing in the background <laughs> and he was just like I'm where the money resides and you know, like it was just like this whole thing. Like it was hilarious. And then sweetie must've posted it and it went viral. And this came out, I think like the end of, um, 2020 into 2021. And so my birthday is in January. And so for me, when I saw that, I looked at it deeper Mm. I said, this guy is doing this as a joke and trying to, you know, promoting his business or whatever. Mm. 
but not really realizing that he's actually speaking things into existence and he's doing that for so many people. And so when he said that, um, where the money resides, he was singing it like it was a song. That was like a declaration. And it was speaking life. Nice. You know what I mean? And I took that and I saw I saw the deeper side of it. And I said, you know what? For years, you hear people say, oh, I'm chasing the bag or, you know, I, I chase the bag. And yeah. Well, but if you're chasing the bag, that means you don't have the bag. Right. <laughs> but if you're where the money resides and wherever you go, the money will follow. That's it. Right? That's it. So that too was a mindset shift. Nice. That no matter what happens... God is always going to provide for me. So I don't have to be worrying about where my next meal is going to come from. Right. Because if the sparrow is not caring about where he's, like he he knows he's good, Mm -hmm. then who am I to worry? And I'm a child of the most high God. Why would I have to worry about where my food is going to come from? That's right. He's never let me down ever. Yeah. So those are the two that, nice. that I that I stick to. Man, that's yeah. actually a, a nice little segue for me now. My next segment is actually thinking out loud as a segment where I'm going to ask you a random question. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Okay. Right? And I want your immediate response, your honest response to the question. And, and it will just take it from there. All right? Okay. Okay. Here it goes. Would you rather... Have bad body odor or bad breath every day? I feel like that's one of the same, though. No, 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 no. Now, if you're. <laughs> wait, wait, before we debate it, give me your option. <laughs> oh my God. If they're one and the same, then you can pick one without a problem. Let's, let's do this. This is going to be fun. <laughs> okay, I have to say the breath. It can't be the body, then. <laughs> Can't like there's so many ways I can go wrong in so many different situations. Oh nah, man. Nah. No. Why? Why? Why the body? No, why I said the breath. Oh, the breath. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying it can't it can't be the body odor. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, there's just that just brings me back to high school and like how I used to hear guys talk about girls. I'm just like, no, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! So, so you'd rather walk around with the with the bad body odor? No, the breath, the bad breath, not the body odor. Okay, so you want the bad breath? If I had no choice, <laughs> I'm not speaking it into existence. I'm just saying, hypothetically, right, right. if one should choose, it would be the breath. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what would you choose? <laughs> you know, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I feel like I might go with the body order. Really? Yeah. You know why? Because for me, I really don't care what people think. And now they just give me more reasons to keep more people away from me that I don't oh want. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nah, man. Mm-mm. Because you can always pop in a Tic Tac, you know what I mean? Like, nah, Tic Tac like ain't going to save a bad breath. You know that. Well, it's, it's vicious. If it's vicious, <laughs> the same way deodorant can't help certain people. Like, Oh, man. 
know. It's a loss. Either one you pick, it's it's gonna be tough because it's rough. Yeah, man, yeah. that was rough. Because bad <laughs> bad breath can clear a room easy too. The same way, <laughs> the same way body odor can. Like. Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Man, thank you for that. I, I had some fun with that one. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Is there any more? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Don't get okay. me. You're gonna get me stuck on that. No. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Now, let's get back into things now. I appreciate that. I needed that good laugh. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) What is one of the, um, you know, important or significant life lessons that you've learned? More recently, I would say. Hmm. That I don't have to be a part of the chaos. So looking at what's happening in the world and how chaotic it is, I don't need to play into that. Right. I don't need to be, I don't need to succumb to it. I don't need to become depressed by it or become angry because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing goes with, you know, personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't always have to respond. I choose my battles wisely now. Right. Because there was a time where I would feel that if I didn't speak my mind that I wasn't being authentic to myself. Mm-hmm. But now I understand that you don't always have to show people your hand. You don't always have to pe- let people know what you know. Right. 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 You don't always have to argue or defend yourself. Yeah. Because there's a time where, you know, you feel like you always have to defend your position or or to always have to explain yourself. Mm-hmm. Where now I can say no, period. I don't have to say no because. And, and I can be okay with it and I don't have to feel a way about it. So that's what I mean when I say yeah. the chaos. Yeah. yeah. And what what are your expectations of yourself in a relationship? Like how do you how do you come to hold yourself accountable? What type of relationship? Like um, a personal one. So your partner, or you know, um, actually, let's do both. Let's talk about your partner and like if you have a partner and how do you hold your, yourself accountable to them as well as a friend. Hmm. How I hold myself accountable to my partner, I feel, would be just just even having just check-ins with them. Mm. You know, having the type of relationship where you can have those honest dialogues about what you're doing well or where there could be some improvement. Mm-hmm. And that person's delivering that to you with love. And so you receive it and you're like, okay, I'm going to work on it because I love this person. I'm going to work on this. And then vice versa, where I don't have to feel like I'm walking on eggshells with someone. I can say, hey, you know what? When you did X, Y, and Z, I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And I'd like for you to pull up your socks in this area. Right. And they can say, okay, you know what? I didn't mean it that way. Or... I didn't intend for it to come out this way, but I understand where you're coming from and I will do better. 
right. and then and then follow that up with action. Mm. Right? I feel like that's where the accountability comes from. Awesome. When it comes to my friends, I feel that it's similar in the sense that you can still do those check-ins. Right. And but then also do those check-ins within yourself as well. So to really think about checking in with that friend who's always there for you. Mm-hmm. Because that person who's strong is not going to be strong all the time. Now, I'm glad you said that because one of my favorite artists um, of all time is uh, Royce the Five Nine. Mm-hmm. And I think it was two or three projects back from his most recent one. He had a song called um, Check In on Your Strong Friend. Okay. And if you get a chance, listen to that. It's very powerful because it's exactly what you just said, is that your strong friends also need someone they can check in on or, you know, check in with. Right. But but if everybody around them is checking in with them Mm -hmm. and they have to be strong for everybody else, who's being strong for them? Right. Right. And oftentimes when you neglect the strong friends, when you find out that they're no longer around, it's too late. Right. Right. And that's where you hear people talk, you know, tell stories about, oh, I didn't know that he was going through this or she was going through that. Mm-hmm. And this is not like them to do whatever they did, if they did something to themselves or if they were sick. Right. Like we don't know. But that's because we never check in on the strong ones because we always have them as the pillars that we can lean on. And I think right. that, was, that was very powerful that um, you share that. Thank you for that one there. Yeah. But that's definitely one of my favorite um, songs there. and. um now, how do you interpret love? Like, what does love mean to you? How would you define it? Okay, so when you ask that question, the first thing that comes to my mind is just like the biblical way that there are different forms of love, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, there's agape love, so the love that God has for us, which is unconditional, right? Mm-hmm. And you have like brotherly love, um, where, you know, where we, we love each other because we may have like a common interest or a common, you know, cause or something in mind. Mm-hmm. And you have familial love, which is what you have for your family. And and then you have, you know, erotic love or romantic love. Right. So for me, like that's that's what I think of. So, what is, also- so OK, OK. No, I, I, I think I'm following you. But what I want to know is how do you describe or what does it look like for you to be in a romantic love? And then what does it look like to be in a brotherly love relationship with, I don't know, a, a close friend or, or something like that? Right. So what I was going to say was when I think of how I how I personally interpret love mm-hmm. and what it means to me, I go back to the love languages, right? And for me personally... The way that I interpret love is when someone is able to give me the quality time that I need. It is when someone is able to show their love physically and not, I'm not just talking about in a sexual way, but being able to show how they feel about me through maybe the way that they hold my hand or the way they hold my face or, mm-hmm. you know, the way that they hold me 
mm-hmm. that's really important to me. Um, and then also showing me love through the things that I've received from them. And it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive things. It can be something that was created from the heart. It could be something that was written. It could be anything that has intention and love and thought and meaning behind it. Mm. So when those things are done, that shows me, okay, this person loves me. Right. Right. right? In a romantic, in a romantic side. Um, in like a friendship or like a brotherly love type of way, I feel that the love can still be shown in certain ways um, that are reflective of the love languages. But I feel that the way that I express and show love in, in my friendships or with people that I have a camaraderie with, um, I would say like, it's really about like what you're, what you're able to selflessly do for the other person. Mm. Okay. Right. Like it could be, it could be, um, it could be your words. Like it could be, it it could, it could just be your words that you use to build up that other person. Right. Right. And it can be as simple as coming through for them, you know, in a situation that they didn't expect you to. And exactly. Because you wanted to do it and not so much because they asked and. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and right. knowing or or knowing that the need is there right. and they don't say it right so like for example with my sister she's like how you know we talk about the strong friend she's a strong friend yeah. right mm-hmm. and and she also doesn't like to ask for help right so the way that i show her love is by giving her the help that she needs without her having to ask for it right so I try to do, you know, those check-ins or try to be as in tune as possible mm-hmm. so that I can provide with her with whatever it is that's needed mm-hmm. without her having to feel like, man, I don't really want to ask or, you know, I'm struggling, but I don't want to say anything or I'm suffering, but I don't want to say anything. Right. But because you're so connected with the person, because there's that genuine relationship and that chemistry, you're able to even like just just pick on it, pick up on it intuitively. Yeah. Right. So that's but that can apply to even like a, a, a love relationship as well. But I'm just saying like for sure. For sure. That's how it would. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, is there a book or a movie that, you know, has had a great influence in your life that you can share with us? Yeah, I'm thinking about the movie. Um, and it may not necessarily be the entire movie, but maybe a scene from the movie or something that really struck, you know. Yeah, you know what I would say? Lean on me. Have you ah, watched that movie? My, what do you mean have I watched that movie? That's a classic. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes. I love those types of movies. Oh, my gosh. Um... That re- and, and also, too, because I'm in now, I'm in the education space. Yes. The ed tech space. Mm. Um, which I never thought I would end up here. But to watch that movie and the way that Mr. Clark was with his students, I said, if I was ever a principal of a school, that mm-hmm. would be me. Yeah. yeah. And in essence, I am the principal of a school. 
Yeah. So I want to look at my company and the way that I run it. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the way that he showed, like he was showing those kids love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And in ways that they needed to have it, that they were not getting from the places that they were supposed to get it from. Yeah. And he had a passion and a heart for them. It wasn't like he was being rough just for being rough sake. No, he needed to be rough because that's what they needed. He needed, yeah, he needed to be, but he, exactly. But he wasn't doing it just because, okay, well, you know what, you guys no. are ragamuffins and yeah. this is how I have to talk to you guys rough because yeah. you don't listen. No. no, he was genuinely concerned. Like, I remember there was this one scene, there was this young woman and um, a student she ended up getting pregnant. Yeah, I remember that scene. Right? And he came to her house, talked to her mom, because her mom had put her out. Mm-hmm. Not because she was ashamed of her, but because she said that she just, she couldn't give her what she needed. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and that was so powerful that, you know, like they, they stepped in yeah. to make a difference. And then I also think about that, the, the, the two twin brothers. Yes. That dropped out and yeah. their grandmother was like, well, they ain't nothing in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? They're not <laughs> going to your school because yeah. you're out here giving them this pipe dream and stuff. And it's like, wow, yeah. like yeah. there are people out there that are actually poisoning. Like there's just toxic parents yeah. Yeah. out there that are just poisoning their kids' minds. And then you now as an educator have to deal with that and have to undo it. And all, no matter how much undoing you do, they, they go, go back, back home, home and, it. It, and it happens all yeah. over again. It's That's a never it. ending cycle. No, no, never ending. So for me, I feel like um, it stands out and it changed my life because I saw what a caring adult ally is supposed to look like. Right. And then that's how I show up for my kids and my students. I have that same love for them. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Now, before we wrap things up, I have a question for you that I, um, it's important to me that people hear this. And um, I think it's also important for you to actually say it. And the question is, what makes you proud of your family? So what makes me proud of my family are the women that I'm able to identify that have overcome obstacles to function at their highest self Mm -hmm. or they're striving to become their highest self. So when I look at younger cousins of mine or nieces that are younger than me that took a leap of faith and started a business and faced adversity and got knocked down and they're back up, you know, people who came from unstable households, but came out being self-sufficient. Other individuals in my family who have gone on to receive PhDs in their field of work. Mm. Uh, My sister is probably the most person, the person that I'm most proud of in my family Mm. because of not only because of her accomplishments, but just because of her heart and who she is Mm. and how much she pours into people 
genuinely like I was affirmed a lot mm. as a child. And I feel like a lot of the self-confidence that I gained came from the affirmations that she would give me. And, and even sometimes if she was rough with me or, you know, I would do something wrong and instead of my parents grounding me, she, she, she would punish me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, or set the bar higher for me in little ways that manifested into something greater now. So I would say the strength of very specific women. Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't necessarily have to be professional women. No, no, no. Like, you know what I mean? Like my aunt wasn't a professional woman. She was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. But that was her purpose in life. Right. It was to take care of other people's children. Yeah. Because had she not done that, like I said, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. I wouldn't be the the career woman. None of it. Yeah. Right? So that is what I am most proud of is those women that have overcome their own personal hurdles and battles to become their highest self and then as a result, lift up other people to become their highest self. That's what I'm proud of. Thank you so much for sharing that. Now... I hope for all my listeners that you got a lot of gems from this conversation as I did. You know, as we're talking, I'm actually making notes here and there. So I'll share them with Tamar um, after the show and, and things like that. But I hope you enjoyed it as I did. Thank you again, Tamar, for, you know, uh, joining us today and sharing your story with us. But before I let you go, I want you to... Um, let the people know how they can get in contact with you, whether to just continue this conversation or share some of their stories. And more importantly, if they want to learn more about TechSpark and how they can get involved uh, as far as investors or anything like that, or just actually maybe potential employees or students. Um, mm-hmm. And finally, I don't want to leave this out, but I want to make sure that if they also want to get a copy of your book and learn a little bit more about you and some of those rules and guides that you have in that book, um, you know, so what's the best place for them to reach out to you and, and just connect with you? So the best place to connect with me would be on social media. Um, My name is consistent throughout all the platforms. So it's just at Tamar Huggins and my company is at TechSpark Canada. And our website is techspark.ca. My website is tamarhuggins.com. So there's a variety of ways that they can, you know, reach out to me for whatever it is that they're interested in reaching out to me for. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and again, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in every week. Don't forget to subscribe, like, share um, the content if you enjoyed it. And I'm sure you know someone else who might enjoy it as well. You know, the best place to actually get the show and get involved with commenting and, and chiming in on the conversation is going to be through um, Podbean. So if you can download that app, you can actually have direct access to the show and, you know, share your experiences and what you enjoyed and what you didn't like. All that good stuff. We want to hear it. And so I'll definitely get back to you and uh, we'll keep the dialogue going. But until then, I want to thank our listeners again and my guest, Tamar, again. Thank you for joining me on this show. And, uh, to everybody else out there, love, peace, and nappiness.